Well, it's great to see all of you. My name is Steve Murphy, and I just love having you guys here in the building, or whether you're checking us out online, thanks for doing that. Uh, We are in the book of Romans. Uh, We've been working through this book. We're going to go all the way through this uh, series through Easter Sunday. So we just encourage you to uh, grab a Bible and uh, go to Romans chapter 3. You may have a printed Bible, which is great. You may have an electronic Bible, which is great. It doesn't matter. But we, don't, we want you to bring your Bibles with you. If you don't have a Bible at all, um, there's one for you in the lobby. Just pick it up right here at the Welcome Center. We'd love to give you one as a gift. Um, this, again, this series is going up through Easter Sunday, and on that day, we're going to have Baptism Sunday. We're hoping there are some people who say, yes, I need to take that step of faith. So if you're thinking about it, be thinking about it. If you're praying about it, be praying about it. And uh, in two weeks from today, we're going to have a message about what baptism means. It's part of this series, again, as we walk through the book of Romans. So keep all of that in mind. Well, let's say, um, let's say you... Uh, hopefully for most of you, this is a, a, a thing that never happened, but uh, let's say you've been shoplifting, all right? You were shoplifting and you were caught. And there is video evidence of you shoplifting. The verdict on this one's going to be simple. It's you're guilty. There's nothing you can do about it. And really, in a way, that's kind of what the first two weeks of this series have felt like. It's like, we've been caught red-handed. We are sinful people. And it's kind of like we have been declared guilty. If you're a non-Jewish person, you didn't have the law, God still says, you've, what you did know about me, you walked away from. You're guilty. If you're a Jewish person, you're saying, oh, I'm all, I'm all good. It's so have the law. And God says, you know what that law is for? To show you that you're guilty. You can't keep all of this. And that's where we are. It's kind of like this thing over here. This is called a plumb line. Some of you may know what this is. You're a construction person or whatever. So a plumb line, by God's design, is a thing that is always straight up and down. It's vertical. It's always going to be vertical. And this is used in construction to make sure everything is lined up, right? It's that kind of thing. So if you think of God's perfection, God's standard, it's like a plumb line. It's always, by design, going to be perfectly straight. Now, in a physical sense, like, I could sort of put myself up against this plumb line and be straight, right? And just do my very best. I know there are some bumps. But anyway, um, I lost some muscles. But uh, you're trying to be as straight as you possibly can. But you couldn't be like that all the time. You're just not going to be able to do it. You're going to, you're going to fail. You're going to fall. You're going to bend away from this perfection. And that's what's going on in the spiritual realm. God has this perfect standard that we cannot ever mess up or we're going to be found guilty of breaking the entire law. And that's really bad news. And that's, again, what we've been talking about these first couple of weeks. But today, today, things begin to change. So let's find out how we move from being guilty to being declared not guilty. Romans chapter 3, we're going to start in verse 21. But now apart from the law, God's righteousness has been revealed, attested by the law and the prophets. That is God's righteousness through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe, for there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. They are justified freely by his grace, through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. 
God presented him as a big word, propitiation, and that just means a sacrifice to pay for our sins. It's a substitute sacrifice on our, on our behalf. So God presented him as a propitiation or a sacrifice through faith in his blood to demonstrate his righteousness because in restraint, in, in his restraint, God passed over the sins previously committed. God presented him to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so that he would be righteous and declare righteous the one who has faith in Jesus. Now, when we read this passage, a lot of times there's one verse that people grab. And we've heard this verse a lot. In fact, we've seen this verse plastered on billboards. We've heard this verse shouted to us as we're going to an Ohio State football game. It's, you are a sinner. All have sinned and fall short of God's glory. Romans 3.23, all of you are sinners. And you know, we get that. We've heard this. We understand this. We're guilty. But if you're guilty, how can you become innocent? How is that possible? How, how can the price that justice requires be paid for that to happen? You could think of it in, like, some, again, a legal kind of situation. So let's say two people are guilty of a fine, and they each have to pay $100. Well, if one person has $200, they could give $100 to the other person, and they could both pay their $100 fine, and justice would be met. Or if this, these two people, a little more severe kind of thing, they have been sentenced to 10 days each in prison. This would be really rare, but it's possible that the judge could say, yeah, you, this one person, you could serve 20 days and cover the entire sentence for both of you. But what if you've both been sentenced to death? You're on death row. There's no acquittal is not going to happen. You're both going to die. Now, could one person die for the other person in that case? No, because you're already both going to die. The only way that a guilty person could be paid for is that an innocent person would jump in and say, I'll pay that price. Only an innocent person can pay the penalty, the death penalty for someone else. See, that's the reality. Again, sin separates us from God and sin leads to death. None of us line up with God's perfect standard, Romans 3.23. But, Aren't you glad that Romans 3.23 is not an island? It doesn't exist by itself. Look at the verses before and after it. Verse 22, God's righteousness shows up through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe since there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And they are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. That is good news, right? It is. You're allowed to say amen. That is good news, right? Amen. Yes, it is. Now, there are a couple more words here that are kind of hard to understand. We don't hear them outside of um, church that often. Righteousness, justification. What does it mean to be righteous and to be justified? They really come from the same root Greek word, and they're often almost interchangeable. Um, you'll find one version will say justification, one will talk about righteousness, and they're right next to each other. They're very, very similar. The idea is, again, in the legal context, it's the opposite of condemned. 
It means you've been acquitted. You've been found not guilty or whatever. It's a legal idea where God says you are now righteous. You are 100% right. You are justified. You are innocent. You are perfect. And we get that idea of justification like in word processing, right? If we're going to left justify something, it means everything lines up, right? So we get that idea. That's the idea. We are lined up 100% then with what God has asked us to, be, to do, asked us who he's asked us to be. And through Jesus, we're declared 100% innocent. If you look at Galatians 3.27, Paul makes a, a really good point. He says, when you were baptized with Christ, you were clothed with Christ. Every one of you who was baptized with Christ was clothed with Christ. And what happens then, you're wearing Jesus as a covering. And when God looks at you, the reason he can say you are 100% righteous is because you're clothed with Christ. He doesn't see you. He doesn't see me. He sees Jesus. And that's very, very good news. So God justifies us. He, he picks us up and he sets us up against his standard. And because we are clothed with Christ, we are. We are righteous. We're justified. All of the time. Now, we, we wonder about this. We say, wait, let me get this straight. Remember, we can't get this straight on our own. But let me get this straight. What you're saying is this. I am guilty. But I'm declared innocent, and I get to live. And Jesus is innocent, but he becomes guilty, and he dies. Is that what you're saying? Yes, that is exactly what we're saying. Remember our memory verse? We read it together. Pick up a card. This one's flying around. Pick up a card if you want. For, for God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.21. Jesus never sinned. He is our offering. And now we are made right with God through Jesus. We're declared to be 100% right with God, righteous, justified. And here is how that happens. There, there is something that has to move us, though, from being guilty to innocent. It's what Jesus did, but we have to believe that that is true. Just because something is true, if you don't believe it, it's still true, but you don't believe it. But we have to say, yes, I believe that Jesus is the Christ. He's the Son of God. He's the one who can make me whole and make me right with God. And faith means, in the Bible context, or belief means that you are persuaded. You have looked at the evidence. You've examined this, and you've said, yeah, I believe that that's true. And look what happens as we continue on in our text. Look what happens when we do that. When we decide, when we examine and we say, yes, I believe that is true. Something amazing happens. Verse 27, starting in uh, chapter 3. Where then is boasting? Again, is this anything that we did? No. Boasting is excluded. By what kind of law? By one of works? No, on the contrary, by a law of faith. For we conclude that a person is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. What then can we say uh, th that Abraham, our physical ancestor, has found? If Abraham was justified by works, he has something to brag about, but not before God. 
For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was credited to him for or as righteousness. Jump down to verse 20. Abraham did not uh, waver in unbelief at God's promise, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God because he was fully convinced that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. Therefore, it was credited to him for or as righteousness. Now, it was credited to him, that, uh, that phrase, that idea, it was credited to him, was not written just for him, right? It was not written just for Abraham alone, but also for us. It will be credited to us who believe in him, who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. He was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. See, here's the idea. Here's the idea. That in our spiritual accounts, we are all found wanting. But we are declared righteous when we believe in Jesus because God gives us that into our account. It's similar to... If uh, you want to go get a loan or a lease and your credit is not good enough, but someone will co-sign for you. And in that case, someone else steps in. They really kind of, in a legal way, they step into your place. Your credit is insufficient for this transaction to take place, but theirs is not. Theirs is more than sufficient, and it covers for your deficiency, and that's exactly what's happening here. God gives us credit that we haven't earned and we can never earn. It's a, trans- it's a transaction. It's not something we can physically see, so it requires faith for us to believe that. And that's the first thing. We hear the good news, and the first step in responding to the good news is belief. But it is not the last step. We hear and we believe. And the Bible says we also then repent, which means to turn around. I was going this way. I'm going to turn around and go back toward God. We confess our sin. We confess that we need Jesus. We confess that he is the only one who can save us. We are baptized. And then we rise out of this in the new life, a new relationship with God where we are declared righteous. And guess what? We do that every day. With the exception of baptism, we hear every day. We believe every day. We repent every day. We confess every day. We walk with God every day. See, our spiritual development is a journey. It's why we have the walk class for kids and their parents. It's why we have the discipleship pathway. It's why our vision statement has no end, that we reach into the community and we love people wherever they are, but we love them too much to let them stay there. And together we imitate Jesus and then we duplicate that process over and over and over, making disciples. It's why we invest our resources and our energy into parades and vacation Bible school and retreats and conferences and summer camp. And there are a lot of summer camps. There are camps for the arts, camp for sports, for some area of development that you might want to work on. And they're all good. 
But in my life, there's only one camp where, where I decided to follow Jesus. There was only one camp that was designed for that. There was only one camp where I made the decision to, to follow not my career path, but whatever career path God had for me, not even knowing what it would be. There's only one camp where I met a wonderful Christian woman who would become my wife. There's only one camp where together we decided that God was calling us to full-time ministry outside of this country on the mission field. There's only one camp where I had relationships that were born and developed and continue to grow and exist to this day, both with people and with God. And that, for me, actually was Round Lake. Some of you have a different camp, and that's totally cool, but I actually got to have all of that happen at Round Lake. Camp focuses our understanding of God's design, of God's plan, of our need for Jesus. And that's not something I've experienced by myself. Many of you have experienced that as well. And so students, I ask you, in 15 years, is what you focus on this summer going to make any difference in your life? Is it? And parents, I ask you, when, when your kids look back, are they going to be grateful for church camp? for CIY, for a mission trip? Because in 15 years, those things have the potential to continue making a difference. Or are they going to look back and say, I wish my parents had made an investment in my spiritual development? At camp, in classes, in life groups, in discipleship groups, we discover God's design, God's blueprints, and we learn about them, we grow together in faith, and that happens in community, again, as God designed it. And that's where we discover who Jesus really is. Now, we all know that if something seems too good to be true, it usually is, right? It seems too good to be true, it's probably not true. That's not the case with God. God really is that good to us. The real question is, do we believe it? And what does that belief look like? In the book of James, he tells us that belief has to have a, a, a visible component to it, some way of proving it to be authentic by action. He says, faith without visible confirmation is useless. It's dead. And in fact, it's not really faith at all. And since it's not really faith at all, it doesn't connect us with Jesus, and so we're not really saved. That's what James says. It's one thing to say it. It's a totally different thing to actually do it, right? So we have this plumb line, and uh, it's also a pendulum. Now, Physics tells us that every swing of a pendulum, by definition, will not go as high as the previous one. Now, I can say I believe that, right? And I have this weight that says I'm going to see if that's true. So if I believe it, yeah, I believe that this weight 
cannot in any possible way come back and whack me in the face. I believe it. But do I believe it? And the answer is, yeah, I believe it. I mean, it gets really close, but it's not going to hit me. Kids, don't try this at home. All right? But it's one thing to say, yeah, I believe that. It's another to actually do it. To put your faith in a weight and a rope. Honestly, that's not that big a deal. To put your faith in Jesus is everything. And it's not just what you say. We have to stand firm in our faith. We have to fully believe that Jesus is 100% effective. Now, let me just a quick side note about faith. What if you have faith in God and yet you have some doubts or some questions? Well, if that's you, you are absolutely not alone. God gives us all kinds of examples in the Bible. Abraham, who we talked about, he believed God, right? Yet there were a few times in his story that we see he took matters into his own hands. So his faith wasn't 100% good 100% of the time, right? It's just true. We read through the Psalms. These people who had faith in God have questions about their relationship. God, are you going to act or not? John the Baptist declared when Jesus walked up, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He said that. Then John was in prison. He was getting ready to die. And he said, would you go find out for sure if what I was talking about is true? Is that really the Messiah? There was a father one time who brought his son to Jesus, asking for his son to be healed. And Jesus said, do you believe I can do that? And the father said, yes, I believe Help me with my unbelief. A beautiful picture of honesty. And that may seem really odd to us. We say, well, that's a contradiction. It's not. Those of you who have walked in faith know exactly what this is like. It makes all kinds of sense. Okay. With all of this that we've talked about in mind, let's ask one final question. Where do I stand? Where do I stand? Chapter 5, verses 1 and 2 says, Therefore, since we have been declared righteous by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have also obtained access through him by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. If you have faith in Jesus, if you stand in faith, then you're declared righteous, 100% lined up with God. You have peace with God. Peace with God because of Jesus. You have access to God through Jesus. You stand in God's grace, and you rejoice in the hope of God's glory. And you do that in faith, and you, you can't do it on your own, and guess what? God never designed you to do that. Let's say you're going to jump out of an airplane. Are you going to jump with a parachute or without a parachute? Which one? Just say, with or without? With, right? 
Now, the reality is you're going to reach your destination either way. But for all you NFL fans, in, in only one case are you going to survive the ground. If you're not an NFL fan, that didn't make any sense to you. If you did, if you are, that was hilarious, and you should have laughed a lot louder. <laughs> Either way, as you travel through, through life, you're going to make it to the end. The question is, are you going to go on to eternal life? With Jesus, in Jesus, you will. And Jesus is obviously much greater than a parachute, but he is the only parachute that we have. The question is, do you believe it? Again, faith in Jesus, believing in Jesus is not the last step. It's the first step, but you can't take any additional steps until you take this first one. And a step of faith isn't always visible, but maybe today you need to make a visible step. Maybe you need to say, I, I, this is kind of new to me. Can you help me walk through what this looks like? Or you just want to pray about something. Come up while we sing. You can do that. You don't have to do that. But if you feel that that's what God's calling you to do right now, please do that. We also know that this faith that we have is not just for us. It was given to us so we could pass it on to someone else. And again, we can't do that on our own. We have to have God to do that in us. So right now, as we celebrate and we thank God for the reality of Jesus in our own lives, ask him to help you take that message to someone else who needs to hear. Let's stand and let's sing.